Hello, I'm Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast to get you thinking about biblical and historical Christianity, to challenge you to follow Christ, and to inspire you to lead a consecrated life. Are you longing for fellowship with other like-minded believers? In this interview, John Truitt of Kentucky shares how he uses video conferencing to have interactive and encouraging virtual fellowships. Whether you want to join in with what he does or you want to start your own, this conversation is loaded with helpful guidance on how to succeed. Here now is interview 32, Virtual Fellowship for Isolated Believers with John Truitt. John, thanks so much for coming on Restitutio today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just to get started, could you share a little bit about your background? Uh, for example, did you grow up in a Christian home? Quasi, sort of. Um, not really. Uh, my parents both had uh, Christian backgrounds. My mom uh, was raised Catholic. My dad was raised Baptist. But the first half of my growing up, I, re- I really didn't. And then when I was a teenager, my mom started taking me and my brother to a uh, Methodist church. And so I went to that Methodist church until I went off to college. And then I kind of stopped going to a church until I was 21. And I got invited to go to a little home church and started going there. And that's, that's kind of where I considered, I I really, you know, gave my life to Christ. Mm -hmm. Very good. So uh, let's just dive right in. We're talking about fellowship and the virtual world. Why do you think it's important to fellowship with other believers in the first place? Well, there, you know, there's lots of reasons, but the, the picture that I always think of, and this is a little cliche, I'm sure probably a lot of your listeners have heard this before, but the idea of a group of coals mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're hot and they're red and they stay that way for a really long time, especially if you add more fuel to them. But if you take a coal out and set it aside, it will cool very rapidly. And it's sort of like that. You know, if you're if you're not in and amongst other believers on a regular basis, encouraging one another, then, you know, you're going to lose that spark. Not to mention that fundamentally we are our commandment as Christians. The great commandment to Christians is to love one another. Right. If we're not fellowshipping together, it's going to be pretty hard to do that. Mm-hmm. What got you uh, going with the virtual fellowship model? Well, it, we sort of got into it, not exactly by accident, but it went unintentionally, where what happened was we were we had started a, a home fellowship mm-hmm. uh, here locally where we, we live, and we had a number of people coming to that. And... I had the idea to connect with a friend that lives out in Colorado and say, Hey, you want to pop in at that time we were using Google Hangouts to join us for a fellowship. And he was like, sure. You know, so we did it, I don't know, a couple of times, something like that. And it was kind of fun. I talked to somebody uh, about what we were doing with that. And that person talked to another person, uh, an older man named Dean that really wanted to join us and who was isolated and you know didn't have fellowship. And I said, sure, why not? That sounds like a good idea. 
And so we, we started doing that and he started coming regularly. You know, every, every time we were meeting, he was, he was on. So it was really a, a group full of people in a room and Dean on the television. Oh, okay. And so, so we probably did that for about three months. And as we were doing it, I started thinking, you know, we could have other people coming in and doing this as well. And so that fall at the, the Spirit and Truth Fellowship National Conference, I had the opportunity to introduce the idea to that audience and to kind of tell them what we were doing, showed them a little bit of, about the technology that we were using. And we had probably about half a dozen people that were very interested and wanted to start doing that with us. And what was really funny was at the time, the people that were coming to our fellowship locally just sort of all dissipated. They, you know, life changes. It wasn't a, a division or anything like that. They just, something, you know, happened where they moved or they, their spouse wanted to start going to a church. And so they started going to that church. Uh-huh. But by the time of that fall conference, it was my family and Dean. And so when these six or so people started joining us, suddenly it was like a fellowship. Hmm. And you know, we did that for about six or eight months with kind of that group of people. We grew a little bit and we were just meeting once a week at that point on a, on a weeknight. Then what happened was we, my wife and I went to a, a, a regional uh, conference, uh, just a small little thing, a small gathering in a, in a home. And we got a chance to talk about what we were doing there. And a, a number of the people at that conference said, well, we want to do something like that. And so they, uh, most of the people that were there were also isolated without a, a, any kind of local biblical Unitarian fellowship. So I said, well, I'll, I'll help you get that started. So we started doing that on Sundays and it was so great. It, we just kept doing it. And then sort of the, around the same time, we decided to add the functionality of, of Facebook Messenger to the group as well. Well, so up to this time, were people able to talk back? Uh, you mean on the on the Hangouts? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll explain in a, in a minute the, okay. the how we kind of do virtual fellowship. But yes, it's, it's very much it, our fellowships, our virtual fellowships are really geared for group interaction. Uh, we, we make a very concerted effort at making sure that, that everybody's involved. And so w- one of the manifestations of that was, was putting together a, a messenger group that we all participated in. And what we found was we were talking to each other all day, every day, and encouraging one another, praying for one another, talking about things that, that were going on in our lives, talking about things we were reading in the scriptures that dimension changed things completely because suddenly it went from this weekly thing where we got together and saw each other and had a teaching and did some prayer, that kind of thing to what I would consider a true fellowship family. So more of a community aspect as opposed to just going to a meeting. Yes. Yeah. Where we really got to know each other and became a part of each other's lives. And we're, and we're talking about people from different states? All over the country. We have people that regularly attend from both coasts and various places around the country. We've had people in the past from other countries. Uh, we still have people who participate from other countries in the messenger group 
they don't always come to the, the video, but uh, we've had people attend as far away as China. Wow. You do the fellowship in English, right? We do the fellowship in English, yes. <laughs> Although when the person was attending from China, we had one of the people in the fellowship was using Google Translate and was you know translating key pieces into Chinese for the folks that were coming in from China. Wow. And then they would send messages they would use Google Translate to send messages to him, and and then he would let us know what they were saying. Hmm. It's kind of fun. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, so, talk to me about some of the struggles that you faced doing this. Well, the er, probably the biggest early struggle was the technology itself. Uh, Google Hangouts was just difficult to use. It um, didn't always work very well, and especially for people who you know, aren't as adept at, at technology, it was particularly challenging. And so several years ago, we changed to Zoom and started using their technology. And that's been great. Technology has worked much, much better. It's really easy to use. So it's been a, a big blessing for everybody involved. And we like the, the Zoom technology that where you have gallery view, where you can see all the videos at once because it makes it more like a fellowship where you're seeing everybody at the same time. Uh, and uh, so, so that was a, a certainly a big challenge. Um, one of the, the things that you really can't do in that, that digital format is songs. Uh, you know, the way the audio works, you can really only have, it, it's best if just one person is talking, you can have a couple of audio feeds going at once but that's it. Uh, so if you're trying to have everybody sing at once, it doesn't work at all. Wow. And so we switched to a format where rather than doing songs, although we, we occasionally we do have someone who will, will sing to the group uh, a song and, or play a song for the group and everybody else mutes their, uh, their feeds and that works. But instead of, you know, a, a time for you know praise and worship or songs, that kind of thing, praising God, Instead, what we typically do in our fellowships is set aside some time for what we call praise reports, where people will just share something that they want to praise God for. And, and we encourage each other with stories about what God's doing in our lives, you know, that kind of thing. So it has a similar function to, you know, praising God through song. Um, so we've had to adapt now, how, do you, how do you direct the flow of traffic as far as what if multiple people start talking at the same time? People generally pretty quickly get used to the uh, how we do things, which is that um, Zoom gives you, you know, you, you can mute your feed, obviously. And, and typically what people will do is they will stay muted until they have something that they, they want to say or a question they want to ask or you know, offer something. And so that makes it easy. So you've got generally one person at a time speaking and, and then zoom has a function where you can electronically raise your hand and whoever is hosting can see when someone has their hand raised. And so who's ever facilitating the meeting will have that function. And what they'll do is they'll call on the people who have their hands raised. So and this, is not, this is not a physical hand lifting in the sky. Is, no. Okay. No, it's an electronics, a little blue hand that appears in there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, interesting. Yeah. And that, that it, it actually works really, really well. It's, you know, very orderly and 
um, it's pretty rare for us to have, you know, problems with, you know, people stepping on each other and that sort of thing. I think too, this is such an important topic for our people to consider because so often in a, uh, a town, all the churches are teaching the Trinity doctrine and uh, for people to have a place to go where there's a like-mindedness on at least some of these really big subjects. Um, I think that's really great. In my experience, what I've seen is that uh, somebody will have a very strong faith, but if they don't, and this goes for me as well, if I don't expose myself to other people and encourage others and be encouraged by them, then it just slowly over time, it wanes. My, my passion and my discipline, this is so necessary for a Christian. It reminds me of that verse in Hebrews where it says, don't forsake the assembling of the saints. It really is a key to perseverance uh, and holding fast, is, is getting together, like you said with the example of the coal. So this is really a cool way to do it. What have you seen as far as successes go? I mean, what have you had much feedback from folks? I mean, how long have you been doing this altogether? I believe about four or five years now. I have to think about it. Okay, so four or five years. Probably, probably been about four and a half years. Okay. And what successes have you seen with it as far as uh, people's feedback that you've heard? We've had a lot of great feedback, a lot of great feedback. Um, we've seen people who, one of the things, you know, like I said earlier, we didn't really start off with this idea, hey, let's create a virtual fellowship. We, it just sort of happened. And I, I do believe the Lord was, was, was bringing that together, despite what we ideas we had in mind. But the thing that we have seen subsequently is, it's just how many people there are that are that are biblical Unitarians that are isolated. They don't have a, a local biblical Unitarian church. So their options are, you know, go to a church where they probably are going to have to be pretty guarded about what they believe, which means that right. it's very difficult for them to get really close in their relationships with people. Um, or they're, they're not going to have anything, which is probably even worse. So, what we've seen is it it gives those people another option. Obviously, if you have a local fellowship and you've got a, a family of believers that get together and love each other and are helping each other and taking care of each other and encouraging one another, that's ideal. I mean, it's, it's there's nothing that beats that. But for a lot of a lot of us that you know that hold to you know biblical Unitarian views, it's just not an option. And and so this gives people not just a place to go hear a teaching, a place to actually have real fellowship and really get to know people. People will do things like we'll have dinner with, say, uh, another person or a couple in our fellowship where we'll set aside some time and they'll we'll sit at our dinner table uh, with our meal and the laptop in front of us. <laughs> And they're at their table with their laptop in front of them, wow. you know, iPad or whatever. And we have dinner together hmm. and, you know, people it's, it really is, a, a, you know, a way of deeply connecting with one another when you bring all of the technologies to bear and you really get involved in each other's lives. And so what we've seen is real turnarounds for people that were in those isolated situations where they just felt spiritually dead 
and suddenly they feel alive and involved and they've grown in in their own ministries they have a place to serve in some cases in other cases it's encouraged them to begin to to reach out in their local community we've seen people start up local fellowships um, as a result of kind of catching that fire and so there uh, there's been a lot of that there's been healings people who have spent many, many years sort of wandering out in the desert, you know, they became Christian many years ago and were, you know, really on fire for the Lord. And then because of ministry breakups or whatever, they sort of got cold and, you know, we're in that state for decades, even find out about what we're doing through somebody, uh, a friend or something, and they're kind of interested. So they, they attend a time or two and suddenly they really like what's happening. And, and pretty soon they're, you know, they're a regular member of our fellowship and life is renewed for them. That's a lifeline for people, really. Talk to me a little bit about the format. I know you have two of them a week now. Is that true? Oh, uh, we actually have three. Three. Uh, we okay. have one on Wednesday evening and we have two on Sundays, uh, one in the first part of the morning and then one at noon Eastern time. And then we also have a weekly women's fellowship on Thursday evenings. Okay. And then we have some other things that happen, you know, throughout the month, other kinds of uh, meetings that don't happen quite as often, um, doing things like apologetics training and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And just walk us through the format, you know, the meeting, it's about an hour long, you think? It's, it's usually a couple hours long. Okay. Between an hour and a half and two hours long. We don't necessarily have the same format every time, but a typical format would be, uh, you know, maybe 15 to 30 minutes of praise reports, and then we'll have a teaching. Now, do you go around and every person share something or it's just certain people that raise their hand? In some cases, it's just going to be whoever wants to volunteer something that's, that's going on that they want to do a praise report about. In other cases, we'll purposefully have a fellowship where we may take two hours just to go around to each individual and check in with them. What, you know, what's going on in your life and, you know, what do you want to share with the group? And, and it can vary from, you know, deep prayer needs to, Hey, I saw this really cool thing in the word the other day. And they just want to talk about that to uh, something that they read a book that they're reading that they want to share, you know, something that they're getting out of that book. Uh, So, you know, it, it just, it can vary from person to person, but we'll, we do those pretty frequently where we're, we're, you know, we're just trying to check in and let everybody share and and have, have the time to, to be a part of the group. But in, in terms of a sort of a regular fellowship, uh, you know, some praise reports that we, we have typically have a teaching and usually that'll be 20, 30 minutes. And then we'll have anywhere from maybe 30 to 40, 45 minutes of group discussion about the topic where everybody has an opportunity to weigh in, to ask questions, to offer insights, uh, you know, to challenge things, you know, that, that sort of time. And that's been really, really good. It really, again, everything is really geared towards trying to, to make people not just they come in and they sit and they observe, but rather they're actually participating in the group. And then we'll have a time for prayer uh, at the at the end or at the beginning. Sometimes we'll do it at the beginning. Sometimes at the end. So the instead of doing a thirty or forty five minute teaching, you're looking at doing something shorter and then opening it up for discussion 
typically. Now, sometimes we'll do something longer. Uh, we uh, we've had some some teachings that that may take up the the whole two hours. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, you know, it, it's it's pretty varied. It just depends on what's going on. We earlier this year, Dustin Smith did a couple of teachings on the Book of Acts, and uh, and they were longer format teachings. And um, so, you know, it varies. And then uh, prayer closes everything out at the end. Usually, or if I if I know we're on the meetings where we're going to check in with everybody, we'll usually pray first, just because those tend to to take up the whole time. Or if I know we're going to have a subject that where there's going to be a lot of discussion, then you usually will will pray first. So we make sure that we have time to pray and and not kind of run against that two hour mark and and then go, oh wait, yeah, we need to pray too. Yeah. So about how many people are attending these on a typical week? It usually varies between about nine or 10 video feeds and about maybe 16 video feeds at, at any one uh, meeting. Uh-huh. Um, and now that, what could you do? Could you do even more than that? Or is that the limit for the... You can do a lot more than that with Zoom. Uh, you can do 200. Oh, wow. So, um <laughs> But it wouldn't be a fellowship if if there were that many. The largest groups we've seen, we were pushing, we had about 20 video feeds, pushing about, you know, around 30 individuals. And once you get up above about 14 video feeds, it becomes more difficult for it to be a fellowship where everybody can really participate. Between eight and twelve is a is a really good number uh, for that intimate fellowship, and uh, so having multiple fellowships per week has sort of helped. As you know, we were regularly pushing at that you know fifteen, sixteen, eighteen mark. It's a little unwieldy at that that point. It's easier if you have a lot of video feeds to do more of a strictly teaching format you can just have a presenter and that sort of thing but that's not what we're really going for where you know we're going for having that true fellowship where everybody is a part of it and contributing to it Mm -hmm. in fact in a recent a recent fellowship we went around and and each of us talked about what did we see as our function in the body of christ and what could we be doing that we weren't doing currently in terms of contributing in that way in our virtual fellowship. Did that shake anything up as far as what people were doing? It did, Uh, especially uh, I can think of a couple of individuals that are normally pretty quiet that have started doing some things within the fellowship that they had said in that meeting that they felt like was how God had made them to function in the body of Christ. And uh, so that's a really, that's a really neat thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. So have you had the situation where you had to spin off fellowships and have other people take those over or has it been a pretty manageable group as far as like just running extra fellowships so that you keep the size relatively small? Yeah. The noon on Sunday fellowship, noon Eastern time, uh, that fellowship really kind of helped with some stuff where we had, East Coast or West Coast people that, you know, were having to get up pretty early to come to the 830 Central Time Fellowship. And so a number of them shifted over to that later fellowship and, you know, made it easier for them. 
so we haven't done it purposefully at this point where we've sort of said, okay, we've got too many people coming to this fellowship. We've got to, we've got to, you know, break it up. Let's make another fellowship. We've just added additional ones, like you said, and, and people have kind of gravitated around between the different times. All right. So let, let's talk about how can someone get one going if they wanted to, um, do you just go to zoom.com or, I mean, how does it work? The website is zoom.us and you can, you can have zoom is free, but the restrictions are such that you're probably not going to do that. If you're going to run a fellowship, I think it's a 40 minute limit on a video uh, that's free. So, but it's not very expensive. Uh, we'll forget now. I think it's like $12 a month or something mm-hmm. to have a, a, an account where you can set up you know, any number of meeting IDs. And then once you, you know, you can set up a meeting ID for a particular time or set up a meeting ID that can be used at any time. And you, you know, give that ID out to people and have them get in. It's, it's by far the simplest video conferencing system I've ever used. And, you know, my profession is, is information technology. And so I, you know, I've used that stuff for 25 years. Right, and right. so it's, it's a great system for that. It's really, you know, get everybody together. I will say this, you know, if you've got a listener that is thinking about doing that, what I, I would encourage them to do, and I've encouraged other people to do that. I forgot. There's also John Shaneheit with uh, Spirit True Fellowship just started a Tuesday evening uh, virtual fellowship as well. And I said, it's like two weeks old now, something like that. If they're interested, I'd be happy to, to talk to them about it. And it'd be, we have a channel called STF Virtual Fellowship on, on YouTube. And if you go to that and just watch some of the videos, you'll kind of see the, the format. Anybody's welcome to join us. And if you're thinking about having uh, your own virtual fellowship, I would encourage you to come to some of our fellowships and see participate. How it is. Yeah. How it is. And then you'll get a feel for, you know, how the technology works and that kind of thing. And, and again, there's several of us that, that host these things. We'd be happy to help anybody with that and then start their own thing. So how can somebody get in touch with you? Uh, probably the easiest thing is to email me at jtruitt at kaleo.net. That's J-T-R-U-I-T-T at K-A-L-L-E-O.net. Uh, or you can find me on Facebook. And uh, just send me a message through Facebook. Okay, cool. Well, uh, yeah. anything else you want to share or stories or advice on this subject? I would say, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the really neat things that we do is on the first Wednesday night of the month, we do what we call Holy Spirit Night, where we, <laughs> we focus more on the manifestations of the Spirit than we would at, at other times doing training a lot of, you know, typically have a teaching on some aspect of manifesting Holy Spirit or the gift of Holy Spirit. And those have been, have been especially, you know, just a really great blessing. And on the one hand, routine can be good, but on the other hand, kind of changing things up and doing things different on a continual basis and experimenting with things. We've done a lot of that where we find something that doesn't work and then we find something that works and we'll incorporate that in has been really helpful in, in getting people to, to be a part of it. And then I, I think the other thing that I would say, we've talked about this, but I, I can't stress it enough that it's difficult to have a true fellowship without people really being participatory, where they really are contributing, not just in 
you know, maybe, you know, a comment about the teaching, you know, hey, that was a great teaching. You're not going to have fellowship that way. The way you have fellowship is that everybody can contribute. Everybody brings something. And and having a, a format where you really encourage that is especially important with virtual fellowship because it's in a regular home fellowship, you know, you get together, you're probably going to hang out with everybody for a little bit. You're going to have your formal fellowship, and then you're going to probably hang out some more after that. And because you live in the same area, you're probably going to get together with folks at other times when you go to dinner together and those kinds of things. And in a virtual environment, it's so much more difficult to connect that way. It's just natural in a in a home church or or just even a regular church. In the virtual fellowship, you have to be more purposeful about it. You have to make the effort to really reach out to each other and connect with each other. Once you get going, then it's not so difficult, but, but it takes a little bit more effort to make that happen. And I think that is, I've encountered other people who have done this kind of thing before and it's sort of fizzled or it just really kind of turns into a teaching format where they're getting together on some first Sunday night of the month and somebody who's very gifted in teaching has an hour-long teaching uh, which is great there's nothing wrong with that but it's it's not a fellowship and so you you really have to make the effort to reach out and get people to participate and and help them to see that this is a group effort not an individual's effort Hmm. so fellowship you're taking it as very much a full sharing that it's not just a one-way communication that people are really able to, if there's something going on in their lives, they're able to bring that forward, get prayer, get support, get advice on what to do. Yeah, I, I subscribe to the view of church as a, a group meeting where people are, are bringing their gifts together to contribute to one another. If you think about 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 1, where Paul says to uh, to be zealous to prophesy, right? One of the things that I like to note about that verse is he doesn't say be zealous to de- and desire to receive a prophecy. He says desire to give it. And then you go through that whole section there, which is a that, that whole chapter is about the, the fellowship. It's about church. It's about what do we what do we do in church, that sort of thing. And obviously it's not comprehensive, but but if you look at the character of it, it's all about giving to one another and and edifying one another and benefiting one another, building each other up and, and encouraging one another and comforting one another and, and contributing, whether it's teaching or praise or prophecy or you know whatever it is that that you're doing it's that the group is supposed to bring that together so to me the um you really don't have authentic church without that you have something and it may be a good it may be a blessing but authentic new testament christianity is a group effort not an individual's effort right right i think often we do default to this one way format for Christianity, you know, you get somebody and they teach and that's it. And that that's good. And it certainly is biblical, you know, to, to have teaching and, and 
preaching and encouragement and that sort of thing. But there's also this other aspect that is so vital to perseverance and to development. One one last thing I wanted to mention is that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Young Adult Weekend coming up at your house there in June. Uh, Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, this will be our, our, our second annual event. And, uh, I, you know, I, I have a, I, I'm older, I, I turned 50 this year, but I, I have a, a big passion for the next generation, you know, people in, you know, I have three kids that are, are just transitioning to adulthood. And I, I really, I, I see the statistics on young people that are leaving the church by the droves. I, I work with a lot of those and I, you know, I've encountered a lot over the years. And so, you know, I, I have, I have a big heart for that. I really want to see young people not only, you know, turn their life to Christ, but, but get on fire for Christ, you know, or just really be passionate about their faith and, and finding out what the Lord wants for them to do and to, to grow in that. I, I think about, you know, when, when Barnabas and Paul went on their first missionary journey, they took John Mark with them, a young man. Right. right. And then when Paul and Silas go on the second missionary journey, they take Timothy with them, a young man. Right. And, and so you see this where they're, they're raising up that next generation and they're, they're involving them. And so, so much of Christianity in the United States, at least today is age segregated. Mm-hmm. And, and I really believe that that's a, that's a bad idea that we should be, that, that the generations should be together and the, the older generation should be really helping the younger generation by way of encouragement, by way of having a place for them to give and to grow and not just expect them to show up and, and listen to something along those lines. So this will be our second annual one. Um, we, we met the first time last year, we do it at our, our, right for right now, we're doing it at our home and, and that certainly worked for last year. We're hoping that we will you know, rapidly outgrow that. And, and have to meet in a, in a larger venue, but this is we're we're hosting. My wife and I are hosting, but all of the people who are running it and coming in and teaching, they're they're in that twenties and thirties age group. And what we're trying to do is just really give them a place to where they're encouraged to to walk out in their ministries and grow and be that that next generation that carries that Christian torch. So this year, they decided last year, we asked the question last year, okay, what do you guys want to do this next year? And the answer was apologetics. So, which I, you know, I love that subject and I think it's critically important because I think a big part of why young people are, you know, lose their faith or walking away from the church and from Christianity is because they haven't been given really good answers to legitimate tough questions about their faith and why is there so much evil and pain in the world if there's a good god and that's a great question and there's really great answers but but typically they don't get those answers so jerry werewell and i have been spending the the last year doing a um, periodic apologetics training through the virtual format just to kind of start to 
get some stuff out there, get, give some, test some stuff out, things like that in preparation for this, uh, this meeting coming up in, uh, it's June 8th through the 10th. And, and so we're the, the weekend is intended to be a weekend. Apologetics is the sort of the format, but really the idea is to address the question, how do we get, how do we reach that millennial generation? What is that going to take? What it what is it that is the key that unlocks that door? Yeah. And so that's the purpose a lot of times for apologetics is evangelism. I mean yeah. what's the point of defending the, the faith and God's existence and giving reasons other than to help people to believe and to come to a knowledge of the truth? Yeah. And of course you're you're gonna be there. You're one of the, the speakers and I, I'm excited about that and having you come in and, and teach and get and getting to spend some time with you. Looking forward to it. Uh, who else do you have on the docket that you know so far? Uh, Jared Werewell will be teaching. Dustin Smith will be teaching, and uh, Kenny Will- Willenberg will be teaching. Okay, very good. And we'll have we'll have a lot of of room and time for discussion and questions and that sort of stuff as well. Now, do you have anything online for people to sign up for that, or do you want them to just email you if they're interested, or how do they? We're getting ready to put out a, a Facebook page for it. So that's coming again. If you come to my feed on Facebook, you probably f- find it once it's out pretty quick and, or just send me a message through Facebook or, or an email will be fine as well. Okay. Very good. All right. So I'll put some links to that in the uh, show notes for today. And uh, just thanks so much for taking the time to talk today, John. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Sean. A couple of quick notes. I have the email address and the link to John Truitt's Facebook account on the show notes for this episode, so you can access those either right on your device or at restitudio.org. Just search for Interview 32, and you'll be able to find it. Also, I have a link to the STF Virtual Fellowship YouTube channel, so you can see what kind of thing we're talking about here, as well as links to the 20s and 30s Apologetics Conference. And I would say if you are within driving distance of Paducah, Kentucky, which is right on the Illinois border on the western side, of Kentucky that, uh, hey, it would be great to see you there and meet up there. I think it's going to be a great weekend. I haven't been before, but from what I've heard from others, it is uh, just a wonderful time to be together, and I'm looking forward to spending that time there. Just a couple of comments I wanted to read out. On Interview 31, which was Bill Schlegel's story about getting fired from his university, because he changed his beliefs on what the Son of God means in the Bible, Sean Holbrook writes, Finally got a chance to listen. Interesting how that study of Son of God is what brought him out of the Trinity. I wouldn't have thought of that, but whatever gets you to the path to reconsider your beliefs. One of my main studies was the term God, and I saw the overwhelming references referred to the Father clearly. Then it was just deducing and restudying the harder ones that are so few that seem to refer to Jesus. For something so recently to have occurred, Bill doesn't seem too concerned or upset. Maybe he's just not trying to really show it, though. I don't know, Sean. I I guess I'd have to ask Bill directly why he is so calm about the matter, but he did mention the sovereignty of God. I think he has a sense that this is all part of God's plan for his life and that there's going to be something else for him to do around the next corner, and he's just trusting in God. 
in another interview that I saw with him and Carlos, he did he did get a little bit emotional. So perhaps it's because this wasn't the first interview he's had, and he's had a good deal of time to process what has happened, or maybe he hasn't had enough time to process what has happened. I'm not sure, but I definitely uh, I definitely hear what you're saying here. Regardless of uh, how we how we perceive him to be reacting to this situation. I think it is certainly a noble example of someone who is willing to stick their neck out for their beliefs, come what may. On another podcast, off script number 10, way back from 2016, on honorable work, millennials, and unemployment, my old friend Jim Winchester writes, thank you, each one and all, for the superb job and keen perspectives each of you contributed to this off script discussion. Sean knows that I am very honored to work as a consultant developing custom software, usually for embedded systems, machines that have a computing system inside them, such as a helicopter cockpit, giant telescope mirror polishing machine, or a hybrid marine propulsion system. It's clearly a fairly deep career, and so I approached this discussion with some natural skepticism of whether or not a full spectrum of issues would be covered. Wondering if perhaps it would have been better rather if I would have been one of those speakers. After listening, however, it was obvious that I needn't have ever had a doubt and how long a time it's been since I was A, so completely wrong, and B, so delighted to be so. Once again, well done and thank you. What Jim's talking about here is the, the episode where we discuss the Christian work ethic and really the importance of serving God in whatever situation you find yourself, and then working hard when you have work, and then serving in whatever ways you can if you don't have work, or if you're disabled, or if you are if you are in a field like Jim, whose work is project to project with long periods in between. So thanks so much for writing in, Jim. If any of you are interested in that episode, that's once again off script number 10, Honorable work. You can search for that on restitudio.org or you can find it in your podcast app. Also, we do have a separate podcast just for the off script episodes. If you just want to, uh, if you just want to work through all of those in order, that is a separate podcast feed, and they are also included in the main feed as well. So take a look at that. Also, one last comment was from Candice, who commented on off script episode forty six which was just from last month, should Christians outlaw abortion? And this was our response to her question. And she writes, Thank you all for taking the time to read comments and sincerely address listeners' questions. So impressed. Thank you especially to Daniel for courageously making his argument and clarifying his positions. I know this is not easy in today's world, regardless of which side you sit on. Being the person willing to stand in the gap with either perspective is tough. Everybody these days is supposed to be lukewarm about everything, neutral per se, so that nobody's feelings are hurt. Takes bravery to commit to a viewpoint. I'll leave my personal opinions on the subject aside. This podcast isn't about me. Doubtful I have anything to add to this thoughtful discussion anyway. Just wanted to let you know I appreciated everybody's diligent attention to the subject matter and listeners' opinions. May God bless all of you in these endeavors. Well, Candace, that was a very kind note. Thank you so much for listening to that episode and writing in. What she's writing about here is our series of Q&A, where we took 
a number of comments that have been collecting over the months, and we gave each one a more thorough response. And so <clears throat> I'm so glad to hear that this effort was worthwhile and that it was helpful. A couple of other quick notes on the Q&A series. One is that Sean Holbrook, who whose comment I read earlier, he, he's replied to our reply to his reply. So, I mean, at this point, I'm not sure how much farther we can go, but I do want to certainly thank him for the effort he went through and let him know that we have listened to it and we're considering what he has to say. And I have something lined up in the future with someone else that I think uh, will address some of the main thrust of what he's saying there. That that certainly will be interesting, and I don't want to say anything else about that until it's time. And second of all, I wanted to mention that in this episode on abortion, we did have some disagreement on public policy and other sorts of things like that. I've lined up another person to interview on the subject of abortion, somebody that is a real expert on the overall movement in America for the pro-life position, and he's just such a wonderful man, and, and I'm hoping to interview him in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. Thanks so much for tuning in, and remember, the truth has nothing to fear.